0: This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booth without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So, whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But they they can also be used to make more complex cocktails and you'll find those in the Seedlip Cocktail Book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to SeedlipDrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. These are available in Canada and in the US and now at LCBO stores in Ontario. Again, that is SeedlipDrinks.com and ThisFamilyTree10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. We are so glad that you could join us for Happy Hour on this Family Tree podcast, episode 133.
1: How you feeling, Alex?
0: So sleepy, but we'll get into that in a second. Shane, I know I say it every week, but it's a phenomenal episode, a phenomenal interview. Why? Okay, I spoke to Dr. Darcy Sterling. So oh, say no more. She is the host of E Networks, Famously Single. She's a relationship expert. I think she's Polly D's personal relationship therapist. She's a social worker and a social advocate.
1: Has she been on The Bachelor or The Bachelor after show? Or
0: she's been on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, her resume is massive. So it was such a thrill to chat with her. And it's really interesting when you get somebody who is so... Big and so major in their profession because she totally like psychoanalyzed our relationship and how I act in Uh our relationship. And it was like the best therapy sesh I've had in my life. And it was over a podcast.
1: Do you act good or not good in our relationship?
0: Good and bad.
1: Mm, Just like
0: you. What? We're both a a little sweet and sour.
1: Well, now I've heard everything.
0: (laughs) But she was amazing. We generally talk relationship stressors, what a relationship bid is, emotional permanence, all these like, you know, cool therapy words that actually have a lot of meaning and application to your everyday life.
1: Buzzwords. I like that.
0: Yeah. No, it's a great one, guys. You're going to love it.
1: But words that won't give me a buzz, seed Uh, and lip
0: seed lip won't give you a buzz but will leave you feeling good yeah so i, I Shane, guess
1: buzz it buzz can doesn't have to be tipsy. A
0: happy buzz yeah. cheers our non-alcoholic drink for the night so we are doing seed lip garden 108 and tonic keeping it light keeping refreshing because uh Ooh, that's nice we're sleepy
1: we're sleepy but this is waking me up in a way it makes me feel like you know we're gonna go somewhere and have some fun
0: <laughs> we're going somewhere tomorrow we're gonna go see top gun tomorrow
1: Oh my goodness, we are.
0: Right? Isn't that exciting? We've got yes. a Tuesday date night.
1: See, I wondered why you didn't push the podcast to recording on Tuesday because you were so sleepy. It mm. felt like you were going to. That's why. Because you didn't want to cram it into the date night. So you thought, oh, this is my only chance. Correct? or Yeah, incorrect?
0: absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to ruin I've been wanting to see Top Gun. I'm dying for a date night of just getting out of the house, Shane. My God. Like... I just, I'm excited for it all. So Shane and I, before this podcast, we were, we put the kids to bed and I come down, like I was the last one to come down. And I'm like, where the hell did Shane go? I'm looking around the house. I open our bedroom door, throw on the light, not expecting him to be in there. I just wanted my sweatpants. And Shane is tucked into the covers like a cozy little like worm just sleeping.
1: Yeah, well, your tiredness is contagious. You were so tired. I, I thought I'd sneak off to bed and try to nap. I think I shut my eyes for... 12 seconds of sleep.
0: No, it was nice because then I ended up crawling in too and we laid there in a state of like half sleep for an hour. Yeah.
1: But the bottom line is I'm not impressed that your work ethic of recording every Monday, it was only happened because of the date night. What? I said, (laughs) okay, let me, how do I word this? Maybe I worded that poorly. I was proud of you because I saw how tired you were and that you... Forged ahead and recorded on Monday because we made a rule we're always mm. gonna record on Monday nights. Yeah, because we got into a phase where we'd keep pushing it and pushing it. But I was convinced you were gonna push this week's. However, you forged ahead, but it's only because you didn't want to ruin Tuesday's date night. So I'm not as impressed with Shane, you.
0: Shane, be impressed. At least I still did it because I could have pushed date night. I could have said, oh, because my brother's going to watch the kids tomorrow. So I could have said, oh, Jake can't do it tomorrow. He's got to do it on Wednesday. Let's go to let's go to Top Gun on Wednesday. I could have pushed it if I really wanted to. Well, I'm not doing it because I want to record. And I did honestly want to record. I feel better after having done it. And I'm already having a good time. Oh, good. It's so waking me up a little bit. All right. But uh, yeah, today has been like a really sleepy, just brutal brain day of work. I think for me, for sure. And I I got up at 4 a.m. because I was having work stress. And then you, too, seemed like you had a really long day.
1: Doing a sketch show. So it's a lot of work and it's a lot of episodes we're filming. So it's constant meetings. And yeah, sketch show is one of the hardest things you can do. If you've seen the kids in the hall dock, which I do recommend, it'll tell you that. But
0: yeah, it was really good. But so, what I was dealing with today, I think, with getting up early, hard work day, I was like dealing with just crazy depression that hit me out of nowhere like a bus. And I've been feeling so crappy today, like crappy about myself, crappy about my body. And I was telling you, like, around dinner time when we were hanging out in the kitchen, how good I I've got like I've gotten to a really good point in my life and in, in feeling confident no matter what and you know just like appreciating my body but today ah everything about it was just like ick to me and I felt so guilty for feeling that way and you know what I think it is I've been getting so many um ads for for different stuff on my on my phone and on my social media. And I think I was looking at them at 4 a.m. when I woke up super early and, like, the depression started setting in. And usually when I just swipe by those and not pay them any mind, they really started to, to kind of grind on me.
1: Well, you don't look weird. Uh, you had me feeling like a young construction worker today.
0: What? Like I was catcalling? Oh, you were catcalling me?
1: Yeah, I'm the construction worker in this scenario. <laughs> so you're walking around and I, I found I was checking you out thinking, darn, she looks good.
0: Like, I appreciate that. But, you know, it's just like how how you feel and just how you feel mentally just mm. makes the biggest impact. So I'm trying to get out of that, trying to get out of that mode.
1: I heard something the other day. It was a woman. She was one of these people who had died for a little bit, came back to life. You know how you okay. hear these stories of people <laughs> who found God and all that? Yeah. They're like, oh, I saw heaven. So this woman was talk- talking about how she was dead, but she came back and she saw her life back. Mm-hmm. Like her whole life went back and she's like, it was the strangest thing. It's, it felt like a play, Mm. just this huge game. It just felt like watching a play and nothing seemed to matter. And I just thought, oh, in the moment, this all felt so pressing, but watching it back, it was just this silly little play and it made me feel better. I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, how life is actually, but our feelings add so much weight to certain moments
0: Like, what the fuck do I care about cellulite for? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Why did I let that thought even sit in my head for more than a millisecond today? It can sell
1: you life.
0: Sell you life? Sell you love?
1: Yeah. I I don't think it can sell you love. You
0: can sell you live life and laugh.
1: Why can't we just go with mine, which was it can sell you life? Because it can sell you life away from you. Well, it might. Yeah, it doesn't make sense either. (laughs) Point is, we have a podcast. We have to say words. So I'm saying them. And this is what you get. You'll get what you're given, folks. And
0: look, and I just want to say to my own self, fuck cellulite. Who cares? And to all of you who are thinking about it, fuck your cellulite, too. Who cares? It's great. You're great. I'm great. And
1: there is an E for explicit on the front of this podcast. Right. Okay.
0: I'm buying a mini skirt. To celebrate this. I thought about it a lot today. I think that is the only way for me to get over this hump. Oh. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's good. I like that.
0: (laughs) But Shane, I want to talk to you about, you know, we kind of started this new tradition. Uh, One thing in the past week that I did that really had you just grating and really got you annoyed with me. And then another thing that I did that made you fall more in love with me.
1: Oh, you want me to play this game?
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. We're doing this every week now. We have been.
1: You used to hate this, by the way. I used to try to bring up things that grated on me. And then after one pod or before one pod, you go, Shane, just don't do that. Let's not talk about this. You even took away apple and onion. We could only talk about apples, but you want, okay.
0: Well, okay. You know, I'm bringing up pod friendly stuff, not something that's actually going to cause an argument with you.
1: Well, sometimes it's hard. Who knows? These are little things. And when you're in a marriage, the little things, is there anything bigger, you know, to start an argument than something little? So, <laughs> yeah, we, we discussed it, obviously, on the weekend. But one thing that grades on me and you, you did it this weekend and sometimes you do it uh, like, you know, what? Don't make that noise. You say. ask the question. Fine. Oh, you can't, oh,
0: fine. Say it. You know, I would
1: say you always do it, but that's marriage hyperbole that I should not abide by. Okay. So this weekend, you you say, oh, I'm going to get ready. I didn't <laughs> hear you really say going to get ready, but you said it apparently. <laughs> and you go up and you're gone for a long time.
0: 15 minutes.
1: Sure. That could be a 10 long. 10 to 15. Yeah. It, it was probably closer to 15 to 20 if we're being really it honest. It wasn't
0: 20. I guarantee it. I'm
1: just saying closer to 15 to right. 20. Then it would be to 10.
0: Then 15 will settle on 15.
1: <clears throat> sure. And then when you're done getting ready on a weekend or anytime we have to go out the door, all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm ready. Let's get out the door. What's the holdup? And you'll start throwing children's clothes at me. And be like, can you put on Lucy's shoes? Could you? Could you put this on Betty? Here, here. And you're throwing it to me instead of you doing it yourself. I'm
0: doing it too. We have two children.
1: But here's the thing. Why not consider that I might need to get ready because what I've noticed is, Mm -hmm. and I've accepted, is that I'm never given any opportunity to get ready, any moment of reprieve to brush my teeth, maybe change my clothes from yesterday, (laughs) maybe change my underwear or socks. I just have to wear whatever I slept in, whatever I rolled out of bed and I have to throw on a hat and just roll out of there and you look like some great movie star and I look like, (laughs) why is she with him? Okay. So it's just, it feels like there's no consideration given to me that I may even need a moment to compose myself or refresh or do anything.
0: See, I find in my brain that it's easier for you to get out and do those things because you will go and shower, whatever. What and are you
1: talking about?
0: Hold on. When you are getting ready, or if like you're doing something, and I'm the one with the kids, I always get the kids ready and I'll start getting them changed for the day. I'll start putting on sunscreen, putting their shoes on. So then when I go to get ready, I guess I was kind of expecting you to start doing that too.
1: No, that's another thing. You overestimate, I think, you underestimate how long you take in the washrooms. Just let me finish this thought. Okay. You underestimate how long you take and you overestimate how long it takes to throw on two little shoes that are like slippers on a kid's feet and a shirt. Just I just whip it on and whip it on. You put those shoes on too early. They're hot. <laughs> they're complaining. Their feet are all over the couch. All of a sudden, they feel like they're outdoors at a playground and they can jump on our, our house stuff. Like Lucy will start standing on that chair if she's wearing her shoes. If she's wearing her socks, she treats the house mm-hmm. like a home. I've done it before. I've been through it all, trust me. I used to fall for the trap. You'd go up, say you're- a trap. It is a trap. Because you say you're going up to get ready. I would start standing by the door and I'd have the kids all ready. I'd be holding Lucy's hand. Daddy, I'm bored. Oh, can I go play? Let's go. (laughs) And then 20 minutes would go by and I'm quietly resentful. And I'm not a passive aggressive person, but I would hold it inside and then just be disliking you for the first 10 minutes of the drive.
0: Well, you know what, Shane? What? Okay, I'm taking Dr. Darcy Sterling's advice and I'm, I'm listening to your complaint and I'm taking it in and this is something that I'm going to work on and I'm going to be, try to be more conscious of your need to also go and do things in the morning before we get out. But now let's move on to the part that you love about me.
1: Okay, I might need a minute here. Can we, can we take a break so I can brainstorm in the other room? No, I'm kidding, of course. There's so much to like about Alex. Uh, but again, another great thing is I said last week what I liked, and then you did it again, so that's great. So I said I like the head oil massage. You give me another head oil massage oil massage yesterday sometimes you tell people that you like and then they don't do it you did it right away
0: so wait you're using the same thing two weeks in a row you keep
1: doing the same good thing if you want to change it up change it up but it might not be as good as the head oil rub thing it's what it's this ancient indian hair method or
0: yeah it's like a south asian hair oils and they've been doing it for you know centuries and, you know, their products are now starting to get bigger on the Western market. So I, I got some Indian hair oil and just doing this like really therapeutic massage. And it's supposed to, supposed to help hair growth and yeah all this other stuff. It's, it's beautiful, though. It smells beautiful and it feels beautiful.
1: My hair still looks terrible, but it feels great
0: good well thanks for coming up with something creative about why you love me oh, i
1: didn't i didn't know this was a creative exercise i thought just honesty was paramount here
0: <laughs> yeah, i have two things for you and they're different than what i said last week
1: well there you go we'll be handing out awards at the end of the podcast
0: good okay annoying thing okay when you lose something it's not like an easy time trying to find it it's not like oh let's just look under here shane lost his phone this week <laughs>
1: No, it was my phone. I have a beeper on my phone. What did you lose?
0: What was it? The remote. The remote. Shane lost the remote. And our remote is, is the tiniest, stupidest little remote ever. It is so easily losable. Anyhow, he loses it. So I start, you know, he's like, Alex. Don't go- say I lost it. Okay. I, st- I tried
1: to find it. There's a difference. He
0: goes, Alex, we got to check the couch. Check the cushions. And you're starting to get like anxious. And Lucy, I'm internally
1: combusting. Lucy
0: has this quality too where she'll be having a great time. The second something goes the opposite way, she starts going, ah, And like she doesn't know how to process the negative. So
1: It's inherited. I'm telling you, it's in her blood. We can't help it.
0: You're trying to find this remote. You're steadily starting to freak out a little more. And you see me just kind of looking underneath the cushions. You're like, no, they got to come off. You start taking off the no, pillows, no. chucking them on the floor. You move, You picked no, this the couch this is and moved it Here's back what foot. Here's what happened.
1: Here's what happened. So first off, I'm a little bit annoyed at how long you took <laughs> and that I wasn't even being considered to go take my own break or splash water in my face or something. That wasn't even obvious. You, you just take forever and you're like, let's go. So I say, well, we have to find the converter. I go, can you lift up the the cushions off the couch and let, let's look under? Because I'm like checking in another area. So I go take the cushions off. Sometimes it's under the cushions. You start getting the pillows off the couch. I was checking the pillows first, Shane. And I go, no, the cushions. Because there's a difference. So that was combined with you taking that long and me waiting. It was like everything was just adding up.
0: Okay, I just love the idea that the remote is somehow going to worm its way into the middle of the cushion, so I have to take the whole thing I found it
1: there. I know you don't care where the remote is ever because you know I'll find it, but (laughs) I have found it wormed just the way you described it in between the cushions.
0: Oh, my goodness. I mean like in the middle of a cushion. You know what I mean?
1: This is a good podcast. (laughs) Listen, listen. Other
0: people are going to have the same problems and yeah. maybe they're going to feel uh, confident now to bring these things up with their spouse. Or I hope their
1: I'm empowering all the male listeners out there. <laughs> mal. Are you a mal listener?
0: Um, anyway, and the thing that made me fall in love with you more is you have been on a really good track. So when you set your mind on something, and we talked about this before, you really follow through. Hmm. So a few weeks ago, you're like, you know what? I'm just not feeling my healthiest. I want to start going for like if I don't make enough steps during the day I want to start going at nighttime like when you and I are done cuddling and watching tv and before we get into bed I'm gonna go for a quick speed walk or run and you've been doing it and it's like 10 o'clock at night and you'll get up and you'll go for a run and it is nuts to me how you can how you can do that and I'm amazed by it and I'm so inspired by it and uh makes me fall more in love with you just your your sheer dedication to anything.
1: Well, what happened is I kind of started it and then I think someone gave me the mildest compliment one day and I was like, <laughs> it's working. So that motivated me to keep going. I've also been pumping iron here in the in front of you <laughs> while you're trying to watch TV. <laughs> what about the iron pumping?
0: No, the, the iron pumping like you're uh, panting while the TV shows are on. So that is more on the annoying and then oh, you I leave, thought you liked oh, that
1: primal behavior. And then
0: you leave your weights in the middle of the floor, and then I smash my toenails on them and break them. Like this happens. Well, once I was going to say weeks. I don't like the way
1: you kick my weights around.
0: Oh, Shane, like you leave them in the middle of the floor, and it's just a steel twenty-pound weight or whatever it is. I stub my toe all the time.
1: Well, I'm not, I'm leaving them there because I take breaks in between sets. Sometimes those breaks might be half an hour. Sometimes they might be a couple hours.
0: This is two days.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You got to rest to build muscle.
0: Well, the pedicurist is now getting rich. So. Yeah. Just saying.
1: Okay. Um, Well, that's the price you pay for my muscles.
0: (laughs) Which are, um,
1: it's a work in progress. They're coming one day, I hope.
0: Uh, Okay. So because this is a relationship episode with such a pro, I want to ask a couple relationship questions, Shane. So. What do you think is the best word that describes our relationship?
1: Mm, I'm not good with words. Okay, you go first. Let me think of a good one.
0: Oh, fun. Fun as H-E double hockey sticks. Like every day, even when we're arguing. And even if it's like kind of serious in my head, I'll be like, oh, this is silly. And I'll just kind of be laughing in my head only sometimes. But... It's just fun. Every day is a game and, you know, there's lows, there's highs. It's it's just I, a blast.
1: I don't think fun is accurate. I, I'm not saying fun is wrong, but it doesn't feel like... If you peek in on us at all times, it would like, we have fun, yeah. No, you, no,
0: no, but that's what I'm saying. Even the lows, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's all, like, a fun game. Then I find that when we're over the low humps, we look back on them, and then they are kind of put in this gamey, fun light. Do you know what I mean?
1: Tragedy plus time equals fun? Funny. <laughs> I think unified would be better. It's a word. Okay. It's a long word, too. It kind of sounds like a couple words. Because... We're always feeling the same thing. We're always on the same tip. If you're having a bad day, I'm usually having a bad day. If your tummy hurts, my tummy hurts. I find we're very
0: harmonious.
1: Yeah, we're feeling the same. Like harmonious is more positive and feels more like hippy dippy like we're tripping on shrooms and
0: No, but we're in we're we're feeling in harmony with each other. Yeah, that's what I mean. That yeah, yeah.
1: that word could be misleading because if we describe ourselves as harmonious on a day when we're not singing Kumbaya and holding hands, that might not apply. But unified, I find even when we're having a bad day, mm-hmm. we're there together.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. But I also like the idea of being in harmony with our tummy aches It's just a funny yeah, way of I thinking like about tummy aches. Yeah, I like that idea eggs. too.
1: But I just want to give the listeners an accurate portrayal of the, what, what the word is, what's behind the word.
0: No, I think that's good. I think that's a real good word. Uh, next question. If you could change one thing about our relationship... What would it be?
1: Um you can be wait. Wait, or, or, she, not sorry, about me. You sorry, dick. I took that wrong. Uh what can I change? I'm
0: feeling delicate today. I started this podcast off talking about how I was feeling a little depressed, a little down.
1: If I could change one thing. You go first.
0: Oh, I was I was gonna think while well, you were saying yours.
1: Well you okay, asked the question. See. You have more time to
0: think. <laughs> um can I say all right, if I could change one thing about our relationship, what would it be? More time to do just fun, leisurely things. We're always, and you know, it's we enjoy doing it and we want to do it, but we're always rushing from one thing to the next. And I like that in one sense because the go, go, go just, it gives you an adrenaline rush. But I do like the time where you could just, you know, spend two hours walking by the harbor front and then go and do something else leisurely followed by something else leisurely and just have a really leisurely Sunday or something like that because I feel like every day of the week there's always so much going on which is what we need to do right now but I think like in the future that's the one thing that would be nice to have more of when we can
1: yeah more sports in our life would be nice I wish we could I wish we could Either participate in more sports, or I wish we could enjoy sports somehow more together.
0: Well, I want to, um, I want to start playing tennis now that summer.
1: Yeah, but we just can't. We just have the little kids, so it can't be changed. <laughs> it's not even the best answer in the world. It's kind of have <laughs> more time. Wish we had more sporting time. Like, what am I talking about?
0: Uh, okay. Do you ever feel like you just want to kick the crap out of somebody?
1: jeez uh, because
0: um, I'll I'll, no. I'll explain why I was saying this you don't even have to answer I'm a pacifist alright I do not believe in violence I don't think it's the answer so I don't mean kick the crap out of somebody and like hey buddy and then just go knock him out kickboxing boxing something like that I feel like I need to get just ugh, aggression out
1: I'm a big fan of the underdogs so I find if I'm on a bike and a car does something, I want to get that car. Mm -hmm. If I'm a pedestrian and a bike does something, I want to get that bike. (laughs) If I'm little and someone bigger does something, I want to get that person. So, yeah, anytime I'm wronged by anyone who has an advantage, I want to get them. Yeah. Uh, I was on a film set recently and there's one guy who thinks he's really smart. And I don't like I want to get him. You wanna he, get him. he makes comments that make you want to get him.
0: I want to get him. And if he's making comments to you that make you feel not so good.
1: Just like if something on the set isn't going right or someone who has no reason to understand where something goes. It, it's just rude to you. He's like, um, that goes here. Thank you. Ooh. Like that type of stuff that I have no tolerance for.
0: Well, it makes me also want to get the uh, snobby sommelier who I think we spoke about on this podcast.
1: Yeah. I had run in
0: with a snobby sommelier recently and it was so unpleasant and she tried to make me feel so stupid.
1: Because no one really knows how to do that thing where you they pour the wine and you're supposed to sniff it around and flip around and taste it and pretend. I did it
0: as well as anybody. Okay. Yeah.
1: But she was judging you knowing that 80% of the population doesn't know how to really do it. And then everyone gets goaded into pretending they do it, minus me, because I just can't, I cringe too much at that. so (laughs) I'll just be like, I'm a loser. Just I'll buy whatever you want me to buy. But so that was going on. And we were with Lucy and Betty as this was going on. And Lucy was screaming.
0: She was hungry. And this was was a very fancy
1: restaurant. And Lucy's screaming, Food, food. I'm talking like $300. But she's not even in the
0: restaurant. She's outside because I'm just running in quick to buy something. It's an outdoor restaurant. I know. Yeah. So
1: we can't say we weren't invading their space. Mm
0: -hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I
1: felt bad for her until I found out how rude she was. Yeah. So you were. Like, darling, how, which what do you want? Which wine do you want? So you're acting a little odd because I didn't know you were being like pretty womaned yeah. out of the place. You know what that is? The movie Pretty Woman where yeah. they're treating Julie Roberts poorly because mm-hmm. they think she can't afford the stuff. So I'm like, OK, Alex, get whatever you want. Let's go. And you're like, stop it. And I'm like, why? Well, we, she's making a scene. And then I found out what happened, how you were treated. And I wish I would have come over there and just been full ridiculous and over the top with the tasting and tasted it and made a scene in a funny It was way.
0: so frustrating. You and I have gone to this place for a few dates now. And we bought their wine for like a year now. And we love this place. We Pearl have Morissette. Yes. We've thrown so much money into this place because we really do love it. And we usually love all the people that we've met that work there. But this one woman was just so rude. So I was like, hey, do you mind? You know, we've been in the car for a while. Can can I grab like a slice of bread? I know you guys do baked, you know, you bake bread and you give it with your dinners. Do you they just grab a little slice for my daughter? And she goes, I don't think so. And she's That's not so what no, well, no, 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 hold on. And then she's just so. What do you? Like, you aloof. asked.
1: You asked if you could get a little baked good. No, and I she,
0: know. I, I said bread. And then oh. she said a, a slice. Oh, Okay. So. At first, she's saying that she doesn't think she can get me anything. And I was like, oh, like, it would be really great. And then she goes, I might be able to get you a slice of bread. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Like, I didn't know if she was trying to turn me off. But I was like, no, that's perfect. Thank you. So and she goes in the kitchen. She disappears for five minutes and then comes back out, doesn't say anything, just proceeds to check on my wine. I was like, hey, any luck with the bread? She goes, I couldn't get you a slice of bread. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, this is bologna, especially considering the amount of money we've spent at that place. I should be able to get a slice of bread. You know what I mean? I just thought that was crazy. No,
1: we should have asked to speak to a manager.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, we should have asked to talk to the Somali that loves us. Well,
1: it's just, if we wanted a piece of bread, I can understand being denied bread. It's a ridiculous request. three-year-old. If you're saying a three-year-old's hungry and they're not giving you bread, like... Get the, get a little girl bread.
0: What if she was diabetic or something? What if she
1: was uh, if she was a duck? They might have given it to her. <laughs> they Did do you know love ducks su- over there. At Subway, they give you free bread. Only if it's for a duck, though. If not, they charge you. No. That's it. It's an old... There's a joke from... Uh, what's his name? The guy who wears the glasses and he does one-liners. He's kind of like Stephen Wright. And I do he, He's got long hair.
0: Oh, Is he the guy that wouldn't face the crowd?
1: Yeah, sometimes you wouldn't.
0: Um, His name, he died.
1: Yes, he died of heroin. Yeah. That guy, very funny comedian.
0: He's super funny.
1: I wish I could look him up on my phone.
0: I want to guess his name, Shane. Don't tell me. Like, give me a hint, I mean.
1: Okay. Mitch.
0: Oh. What's the last initial? H. Mitch Hedberg.
1: Yes, good call. (laughs) Yeah, Mitch Hedberg's his name. Yeah, he. all I searched was best one-liner comedian. But he had a bit where he said, did you know if you go into Subway, you can get bread for free if you say it's for a duck? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, there's a punchline. <laughs> you get it. It's, I guess the setup's funny enough. Anyway, anyway,
0: let's, on that high note, go on to our interview with Dr. Darcy Sterling.
1: But before we do that, let's tell everyone who we are supported by.
0: We are supported by the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor. This is the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor that you can get your hands
1: on. It is the what? The best?
0: The Rocky of monitors?
1: Yeah, I was trying to think of something.
0: Cassius Clay?
1: Yeah, I always want to say Michael Jordan. Who's a good, empowering female?
0: Venus Williams. Uh, yeah, Serena. Serena.
1: Yes. Besides that, Wonder Woman. There we go.
0: Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman of uh, <laughs> of smart monitors. What we love about it the most is that the monitor makes no physical contact with your child because they use sensor fusion technology. This is like a military grade technology that bypasses the need for there to be, you know, that extra piece of equipment like a sock or a chest strap that your baby needs to wear. And it just does it so accurately.
1: I want to see these kids in socks and chest straps. I've never seen these monitors that do that. I'll show you. I'll show you
0: after this. But the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor works with your smartphone to alert you of changes to your baby's vitals and nursery conditions. It uses crypto security, which means there is no hacking. Can't be hacked.
1: Sorry, hackers.
0: And the monitor offers HD video and photo and amazing night vision. There are also custom dual Ole Wolf speakers and a two-way microphone, which means Miku not only plays original sleep sounds and lullabies, but it allows you to talk to and comfort your baby. So check out MikuCare.com and use the promo code FAMILYTREE10 for 10% off. This is available in the U.S. only. And again, it is MikuCare.com and FAMILYTREE10.
1: But we are also supported by
0: bravado designs bravado designs makes the best the most comfortable and the most practical bras you can get your hands on
1: that's true i second it
0: <laughs> i got introduced through Shane actually, uh, to their nursing bras four years ago now. And I haven't looked back. They truly are amazing. What I liked about their nursing bras is that like they were the only things that could actually sit comfortably on my terribly painful nipples. And they were just so easy to use. I don't know what it is about them. They're just so much easier than other nursing bras.
1: I love your personality so much better when your nipples are comforted.
0: Oh, me too. And now, though, Bravado Designs has the everyday collection. So these are bras that do not have clips. They're not for nursing mothers. And they are just amazing everyday bras that look great under a T-shirt. So you can get the nursing bras online at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off your order. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. And now let's get to our interview with Dr. Sterling. Dr. Darcy is Sterling. What do I do? I Dr. Darcy, Dr. Sterling, Darcy. What, what do we? Darcy's great. Okay, amazing. Yeah. So Darcy, like you are the host of eNetwork's Famously Single. You're a relationship expert, a social worker, and a social advocate. You're a big deal. And I love talking relationships. So now I get to talk relationships with a big deal. And I'm very
2: excited to do this. Oh, I'm, I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> you don't come into social work to be a big deal. I, I was going to You say- know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh generally people who come into the field uh have a strong sense of humility right. and public service. Uh the rest of it was accidental. So probably been doing this as long as you've been alive. I'm happy to share my my experience and uh training with you.
0: No, that's fantastic. And before we get into it, you and your wife both do relationship work. So Ooh, I'm yeah. just like fascinated by this. Do you guys like approach problems from different schools of thought? Like, what's it like to be in an argument between you guys both being in relationship f- in the field?
2: I'm just gonna tell you that at the top of the pandemic, we were in couples therapy first once a week, then within two weeks, twice a week. And then by the third month in, it was three times a week. It took another six months before we were back down to once a week. The errors we make in our relationship count twice as much as everyone else's errors because we know better. Oh. So what's it like to be lazy and choose not to use re- your relationship skills? It's painfully human, you know, and um, the rest of the folks out there can claim not to know better because we're never taught relationship skills. But my wife, Steph, and I, we share a practice, which sounds like a lot more intense than it is. I mean, we're behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. I I never see her throughout the day. More so now that we're working remotely exclusively, but, you know, only in passing as she has to, you know, exit her office, which is our daughter's bedroom who doesn't live here full time and has to go into the kitchen or manage one of the animals. But we don't spend a whole lot of time together working together. And on the rare occasion that we do get to work together, I am going to sound so gay, which I am. Um, (laughs) I am am reminded of why I fell in love with her, because her clinical mind is the mind that I first met. We met at NYU. I was getting my PhD. She was getting her master's degree, and she was just a sponge. She was and has so much more natural, uh, raw talent than I do. Sort of my jam is I, I compensate with hard work, but she remembers things, and she just integrates information so naturally, and so much of it makes sense to her. Steph works with couples and she teaches couples relationship skills. I am far too controlling to ever handle more than one person in the room at a time. So I teach relationship skills to individuals because once you put a second person in, and by the way, it works perfectly for me, Mm -hmm. that chainsaw here, right? Because it's just you and me. It's amazing. amazing. Anytime anytime there's a co-host, I'm like, we've got a wild card. We've got a wild card. I, I can definitely handle one. I don't know if I can handle more than one at a time. But, you know, I have had the privilege of hearing, I mean, obviously we don't listen to each other's sessions, but like the walls in any structure are audible and I hear the quality of the work that she does and couples come into her session and sometimes they are at it with each other. And by the end, it's, you know, it's it's always more neutral, if not a love fest at the end so yeah that's the story we share a practice where but we you know i didn't think steph was going to be a relationship expert that wasn't her jam when we first started working together my practice focused on teenagers but we experienced so much healing in couples therapy that it inspired her to go on for her own training so she's like trifecta trained in in the like the three big ones amago gottman and i can't remember the third to be honest but she she has so much more information than i have when it comes to couples and we will often you know when we're stumped which you know for me is not very infrequent um probably a few times a month we will pick each other's brains. It's like a great privilege to be able to tap each other as a resource because she has a whole different philosophy. She sees the problem through a different lens than I do, and I really appreciate that. I also think she should do everything my way, and she doesn't, for the record. It's not all roses, to be clear.
0: Well, I love your focus and this is what I got to just from, you know, knowing your stuff online and, and what you put out there, but your focus on skill and being in a relationship as a skill and why it's important. I mean, you mentioned you work with teenagers and why it's important for kids to learn relationships as a skill
2: and their parents because that is a relationship. So not everyone that comes to me comes to me for their intimate relationship they oftentimes come to me because they haven't built a tribe of friends or because they're having trouble in their family of origin or because they've just uh, you know, started a new job and they're having trouble with their team. All of these are relationships. And so the same skills that I'm supposed to be using with my wife that I'm often too lazy to use with her the same skills i use i'll use with you if we become friends i use with my assistant when i work with her on a daily basis and i use with my friends who i hang out with at night and my you know and my family of origin like i use this it's the same skills so the first 15 years of my career i spent working with teenagers and their parents and i was teaching relationship skills and the thing is because it's under the layer or the or the um The label of therapy, so many people, even today, after in the throes of a mental health crisis, global crisis from the pandemic, even today with what we know about trauma and about the fact that none of us come out of childhood without some fractures and wounds, there's still such a stigma attached to therapy. And I don't, you know, I didn't do it for the branding purpose, start calling them skills, but they are skills, you know, and and so... One of the reasons I have built online courses is because people can get the information. Not everyone can. Some people need the one-on-one experience to help them get out of their own way. But there are some people who can go in and take a really good online course and walk away with like a bachelor's degree. And so I, want, I wanted these skills, these tools that I teach and have been teaching for 27 years now I wanted them to be available to everyone. I don't feel like you need necessarily therapy. Everyone doesn't need to be in therapy to learn relationship skills. Everyone should be in therapy for other reasons, but you don't need to be in therapy to learn relationship skills. Not everybody does, at least.
0: No, I think that's a great take. And, you know, knowing if you've worked with teenagers, you know we all have, because I think it shows the most in teenagers, different ways of internalizing information, of learning. And I think that is so important. So people can go at their own pace and, like, I've done two therapy sessions in my life and I hate, really? I hated them. I hated them. I, I think I, I didn't do it properly or
2: something, but. It wasn't you. And that's <laughs> things I never say to my clients. I, everything is my client's fault because that's empowering. It's not blaming. What I'm saying to you is it wasn't you because the therapist therapy is so awkward, au- can be so awkward. Well, I mean. I, it, it, at its essence, it's awkward, right? You're you're meant to, it's like walking into a room with a stranger and having to take your clothes off. Yes. I mean, it's very uncomfortable to do that. And if you're not with somebody who has some social skills and can be a human being in the room with you and try and neutralize some of that power imbalance, I mean, you're just going to sit there half with half your clothes on or just bounce with all your clothes on and never come back for your third session. I became the therapist that I had always wanted. You know, I my goal is to make the whole process less awkward and more relatable and less shaming because none we all need it. You know what I mean? What was your experience, though? I totally talked. about. No,
0: you. no, no. It was fine. You know what? I went in and to use the analogy of getting naked, I stripped off everything within the first five minutes. I was like, OK, here's my issue. Here is what's bothering me. Here's what could be behind it just laid it on the table and then it just didn't really progress and i was just giving everything all in at once and maybe that was a mistake but then in the last 10 minutes it was all about booking the next session booking the next session so i was like you just want me to be here or something it felt it felt very disingenuous and just awkward because i was putting it out there and then i wasn't being met with
2: a human response yeah engagement. Yeah, Yeah, it was weird. It was very weird. And it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, look, that's been my experience in therapy as well. Like, and except I didn't take my clothes off because (laughs) I would rather put on the Dorsey show for an hour, even if I have to do it two, three times a week to feel like I'm really in therapy and I've been there. Um, Certainly when I transitioned out of my last marriage and was questioning my sexual orientation for a solid year, I was like hitting the couch four times a week it's not necessary for it to be that awkward there are things we my therapy sessions sound like this i'm already feeling better (laughs) well then i did a good job no i mean they and it's so unnecessarily awkward i mean we just it's such an old school approach to um to try and Project that blank slate, that professional clinical slate, where like you've got a poker face and you're very modulated and you're just like nodding and stuff. That doesn't that doesn't encourage you to share more. That that it it puts so much of the responsibility on the client, and I do believe that therapists need to take more responsibility for directing the course of work and. Uh, communicating with their clients on negotiating what the goals are, what they think the time frame is. Yeah, I, I guess. Maybe it, look. It probably worked out that the therapists that I've had, by and large, were so uh, profoundly disappointing because then I wind up being the therapist that I am because I know what I wanted. Mm-hmm. No, and absolutely. Look, and that's what we do in relationships. We all well. If we're trying to be good human beings, we try to treat our partners the way we would want to be treated. But our partners don't necessarily want to be treated the way we want to be treated. And a lot of the ways in which we communicate our needs to our partners are different from the way they hear and get their needs fulfilled. You know, I'm talking love languages and bids here. Um, are you familiar with what like a relationship bid is? So I wanted to get into that actually, and
0: it's funny because. Shane, if he was here, he would be so proud because his big thing is don't treat people how you want to be treated. Treat people how they want to be treated and know what they respond to, know what ticks them and everything like that, and then treat them in that way. And that shows conscientiousness, that shows courtesy, it shows that you care, it shows love. However, okay, however, and he's not here, so he can't defend himself and that's fine. He'll Uh listen to this later. but. (laughs) When you're in an argument with somebody who doesn't respond the same as you, and then your defense mechanisms go up, right? So Shane's is to, like, he'll be the one that gets loud or gets, I'm going to say catty or something like that. And then I am the type, the second there is any hint of, you know, a boat rocking, I shut down. I Uh shut down. I can't say anything. I want out of the situation. -hmm. I just cannot respond. So, when you're in an argument, how can you effectively communicate and treat the other person how they want to be treated when you are just like in your weird
2: defense mechanism zone? I love that you said that because it's you're literally, when you're in that weird defense mechanism zone, you're literally in a part of your brain called the amygdala, which a lot of us have heard. The, the term before, it's the oldest part of our brain. It's uh, responsible for keeping us alive. It knows how to fight, it knows how to run, and it knows how to freeze, depending on the situation. And most of us are born with a predisposition for one or the other, and, which is not to say that we can't, like mo- we use multiple, the different situations provoke different response styles in, in us. But most of us have a primary response style. Yours is to freeze or run. His Mm -hmm. is to fight. And like, let's just be clear. The way these response styles look in 2022 is he's not God willing. He's not taking his gloves off, right? No, no,
0: no, no. He's never never
2: putting his hands on you in anger. No. No Johnny Depp situation. Oh, my God.
0: That's such a mess. That's such a mess. I know.
2: Let's not even go there because I've already lost enough brain enough IQ points, like in the last two weeks, trying to go there. So, but what he wants is a resolution with you, but because he presents as so activated, it causes you to shut right down and it throws you right. So he gets activated, he's in his amygdala or like well on his way there. And his his way of communicating to you throws you into your amygdala and two people in their amygdala or even one person in their amygdala, that's like trying to talk to a drunk person and reason with them.
0: Yes. Or so, my toddler. Like it's, it's literally worse than talking to my toddler.
2: You cannot do it. So, okay. He's not here. So I'm going to relationship coach you. You ready?
0: I'm, I'm so ready, Darcy. Okay.
2: So here's the deal. What nobody teaches us is we're not meant to have a conversation when we're that escalated because we're in our amygdala and when we're in our amygdala, we have pulled our prefrontal cortex offline. It's almost impossible to be in both at the same time. Therapists who are trained in therapy know how to do both at the same, get you in both at the same time, but let me follow this out one second. Your prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that can anticipate the consequences of your actions. It's the part of your brain that can strategize, that can think through things, that has the ability to feel empathy and read empathy in each other. But you're out of that when you're in your, when you're in your amygdala. You're almost never in both at the same time. And so I don't want you guys having a disagreement when you're like that. What I want you to do is get in the habit of saying to each other. So when he's like that, he wants to approach you and he has to cultivate the self discipline to maybe approach you and say, So I'm upset and I'm not, I know I'm not in a place to talk about it right now. Can you please tell me when we can talk about this topic? And then you're not ambushed. So. Even if you're headed towards your amygdala, because you're like, oh, fuck, he needs to talk. Like somebody tells us, I need to, we need to talk. We all get a little uncomfortable and start sweating, but you'll be able to maintain your groundedness long enough to say, let me look on my calendar. And within the next 24 hours, you should carve out the time to hear him out. He's already giving you the topic. And then the two of you need to come together and he needs to come with a commitment. To modulating his volume, to staying in I statements and feelings words rather than you did this and you did that. And I hate it when you do, and you always and never. So there's rules of engagement that, again, they're, they're relationship skills. There are lots of rules of engagement that I can't possibly monopolize your time with and, and cover all of them today. But the, you know, just the high level, Takeaways are you want to keep, if you're somebody who generally needs to have immediate resolution to a problem, that means that you engage in the fight response style. And so when you have your partner at a different point ready to hear you out, you have to modulate your tone. You have to be very aware of body language. So, like 75% of how we read each other, is based on body language you right now are very relaxed your your hand your chin is on your hand you're leaning in it all tells me that you're curious and you're really engaged with me but if you were like this or if you were like this that would be giving my brain information if your tone is raised if your tone sounds condescending so very little of it is the words we use but we start with the words cuz that's the easiest thing to control so you want to stick to i statements the other day when you told me in front of that guest that you you made fun of me and you pulled out an example from something from 2 weeks ago it felt I I felt blindsided by it. I wasn't expecting it. And um, it pulled me so out of my game, I couldn't recover in that podcast. That is the way I want him to communicate to you. He's got to modulate himself so that he keeps you capable of being in the conversation. Here's the deal, Shane. If you come at her when you're escalated, you are going to throw her into her amygdala she's going to freeze and shut down or walk away. So if you want to have a productive conversation it begins with the person who has the fight response style and it behooves you it's incumbent upon you to rein it in and communicate with her the way you know as as you know to be courteous. You are a courteous person. You're somebody who understands that so you have to he has to speak your language. And zooming out back to relationship bids, which are any communication between partners. Anytime partners are communicating, we rarely know that it's a relationship bid, but it's always a relationship bid. Oftentimes, our bids come under the sloppy packaging of criticisms or requests, and they're off-putting to our to our partners. Or they just look so random or mundane or in, unimportant that we miss that it's actually and, and our partner like we'll we'll dismiss our the bid we'll miss the bid and that's very hurtful it's injurious to the partner so what the way the way I like to see relate view relationship bids is think of your partner as being a foreign country okay you gotta go there trying to speak the language you can't speak English and expect everyone to understand you it's not their responsibility to know English right yeah so yep. As going back to what I was saying, like, I don't know, a week ago, because this tangent has been a long time, when I said we we tend to treat our partners, if we're good enough people, the way we would want to be treated. And what's most important is to learn how they want to be treated. So that is where where love languages come into play, knowing what our partner's love languages are, but also knowing what their fighting style is. So the two of you need to come at it. When you're regulated, when you're emotionally grounded. And if you feel escalated or you feel that he's escalating, one of you needs to go to the bathroom, take a take a few seconds in there, a few minutes in there, try and ground yourself and then come back. And if you can't. On an emotional discomfort scale between zero and 10, 10 being the most uncomfortable you are, zero is completely neutral of discomfort. If you can't come back at below a three, it's not time to talk. It's going to throw you right back in your amygdala. I know.
0: I like that because then it's it's self-regulation, but then you still have both people kind of saying, okay, this is where I am emotionally. Can I be here or no? And I think that's so important because I had some people writing in too and they're like, oh, I'm the fiery one in the relationship it's me that's coming at my partner. And it, it is so tough. Sometimes it's hard to self-regulate. Sometimes it's hard to do these things and you want to have the discussion here and now because you don't want to waste any more time thinking about it. But it's tough. And Darcy, you mentioned a few times relationship bids. So many of us in listeners are so far out of the relationship therapy world.
2: Can you get into detail about what a relationship bid is? So every time my wife wants to show me a video of one of our animals, which is every second of her life, or a CrossFit video of what she's just done at her recent box workout, my eyes want to roll in the back of my head and I just want to bury myself in work because it seems unimportant and it seems like trivial and like, really? But it's actually less about the animal video or about how her clean and jerk went in this workout that she did and it's more about her and me connecting in that moment me showing her i'm going to put down my work because that's always my drug of choice i'm going to put down my work and give you the 30 seconds here's the deal our partners are going to get attention from us one way or another we have a choice is it going to be positive or negative it's like having a toddler don't you have a toddler i have a toddler and a four-year-old
0: and okay. I, I can relate to this because if I'm not getting the attention I want, then I and like, I mean, this is a different t- topic, like self-sabotage. I will seek out negative attention. Oh. And I'll be like fucking so annoying and just get in his face or just just about like, oh, I need a hug. I'm feeling so, you know what I mean? It never works that well.
2: So but here's the thing. I mean, what I have learned in my old age is to literally be like, hello, I need some attention. And I do it in a cute little pouty voice, which is less off-putting than being like, excuse me, Steph, I'm needing some attention. Um, And I'm more likely to get my needs met. I'm more likely when I'm direct. Rather, I've learned the ways in which I used to act out. Probably still do. Um, I'm sure I've just gotten more creative at how I act out that I don't notice it anymore. But all of which is to say that when when I'm needing attention, I will say it. I will directly say it. Can you say it? Oh yeah.
0: No, I'll say it. I'll. T- I have no problem doing that. Um, but I think you know what you need. Do you need a hug? Do you need words? Do you need time? Darcy, what do you- I always need a hug. I always need a hug. I always need something physical. I always need sex. That's touch. physical touch is my touch. love language. Touch is your thing. Nothing makes me happier yep. or more. Um, I- and nothing
2: makes me feel more comforted. Than that. Yes, in touch. I, I'm with you. It's my top love yeah. language. Also, does he know that when he walks by you, he should be touching you? He does. He's
0: he's pretty good about it. Like even just like a little butt slap or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it, and he's really good about it. And he really does go out of his way to like to do that. But like maybe it's I. Maybe I want it too much. And then he is less touchy, but still very touchy, but like less. So then again, it's like a a confluence of love languages. You know what I mean?
2: So here's the other thing. I don't know if this scratch it. It won't scratch your itch quite as well. But have you tried giving the affection that you want? Oh, yeah. I mean, like for you to pass him and give him the butt smack for you to play with his hair, presuming he has hair for you to like touch him as often. Like sometimes when you want the hug for you to just go behind him and give him the hug. Also, do you know what his top love language is?
0: So I'm always, I'm like, I cannot get enough of him. I think he's like the sexiest person I've ever seen. Can't get enough. And so always like, attracted like it's
2: it's too much almost you know what I mean uh his love language very lucky guy (laughs) he is I mean that's that's not a complaint that most straight men come to me with
0: well Shane when you're editing this listening to this take that for uh you know nonetheless I'm sure you give him a run for his money Uh, 100 percent. and his love language is acts of service and like you know, we do. We have a business together. I'm a very forgetful person. I got lots on my plate at all times, even when I'm trying hard. I just like phew, I forget things. I'm so not A type, and that's the thing. He is. He's forced himself to become A type because he hasn't been diagnosed, but we think he has ADHD. He he has something that hasn't been diagnosed, and he has forced himself to be on top of things, and he can't understand why I am like will never get there. And it's like talking to a crazy person. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'll remember this for next week. I'm on it. Like, let me take that part of the business. And then Darcy, like, I will write it in five different places. I will set 10 reminders and it is
2: gone. Do you have an assistant? No. Okay. Um, Do you look at your calendar? Yes. I want you to practice for the next seven days under promising Mm -hmm. to over deliver. I want you to say yes to one out of five requests from him. And I want you to try and hit 100% on that. Say no to most things, gracefully. You strike me as somebody who would be pretty polite. You know, I wish I could, but I I can't. But when you say you're going to do something, commit to it. Commit to it. Make it your priority. Put a post-it on your computer and fucking do it. That's simple. So be less of a people pleaser, be less um, agreeable or inclined to say yes to things. And the few things that you say yes to do those things. And you probably need an assistant. You've got like a four-year-old and a two-year-old.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a business
2: and a husband. Are you kidding me?
0: I also teach, but it's crazy. Okay. Listen,
2: folks, we're going to crowdsource right now. My my new friend here needs an assistant. So if you've got the ability to be a freelance part time assistant and you can rock her world, she needs some assistance. I, I desperately do. But there's I only so much that you can do. And here's the other thing: I have had to learn as an entrepreneur, and I'm, I'm older than you. I'm going to like, you know, just mentor you for a half a second. Like, you can't do it all. You cannot do it all. It is a recipe for failing across the board. And it's a shitty feeling, especially when you run a business with your with your partner. Yeah. So like like Shane, I have ADHD. It, it sadly has been diagnosed, and I've had to I've had to acquire a little OCD to be functional. That's like him. If I didn't if I didn't do it, I would be a disaster. A disaster. Now you're lucky because you've got a neurotic husband who gets his stuff done right. That can also be a slippery slope for you to not grow as much as you're capable of. So I want you to practice underpromising and over delivering. You would never miss an interview with somebody. No. I want you to treat, I want you to treat him like the business partner that he is. Try not to take advantage of the fact that you're related. I do. It's hard.
0: It's hard. Darcy, this is why, Kate, this is why you're where you are, because why couldn't I have gotten this in any Seriously, any therapy session, any the two that I took,
2: by the way, it's easier when you've made every relationship mistake there is. So like I'm drawing from personal experience, FYI, and also from my own relationship with Steph, because we run a business together, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I'm the neurotic one. and And, you know, I have we have come so far in the years that we've been together. I will say that the the thing that landed that really seemed to have resonated with her is saying, please under-promise and over-deliver. And I got that from a client, by the way. My clients are so amazing. They're so smart. They're so inspiring. Under-promise, deliver and try and pretend I'm a stranger. Try and treat me the way you would a stranger. Your brand identity is your business. Try and treat him the way you would if you weren't related.
0: All right, Dr. Darcy, we are going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by True Earth. If you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I are reducing constantly in the process our environmental footprint. And one way we're doing that is by eliminating single-use plastics in our household.
1: I feel like Captain America.
0: <laughs> As you should.
1: In Canada.
0: Captain Canada. Well, the thing is with two kids and four people in this house, that's like A lot of garbage, and that's a lot of plastic based stuff that we could be going through. One of those things, and it was one of the biggest perpetrators, I would say, for us was plastic detergent bottles. It was very annoying. Our laundry room looked like (laughs) PPDB. But we discovered True Worth Laundry Detergent and we haven't looked back since. This detergent comes in these pre-measured soluble strips. So they're like almost like paper and you rip them apart, throw them in your washer, done. It is so easy. There's no plastic packaging. So it makes your laundry room look so tidy.
1: Do you know what PPBD stands for? What? Plastic Perpetrator Detergent Bottle.
0: That's a good one, Shane. Smart guy.
1: Thank you. (laughs)
0: But what we also love about True Earth is not only is it great for the environment, but it works. We usually opt for the baby detergent or the new scent Lilac Breeze because it's gentle on everybody's skin, yet still so tough on dirt. So our clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean. So check out True Earth Detergent at True.Earth and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 to get 10% off your order. You're going to love this product. Take my word for it. Again, that is True.Earth and ThisFamilyTree10.
1: But we are also supported by...
0: Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto.
1: They're number one and two in our household. Because that's right. It's not just for kids anymore.
0: No. Now they have the new M&West collection, which is... A women's collection made from simple French terry, so it is just, it feels beautiful on your body. And just like their other clothing, it's all ethical and sustainable.
1: Do you know what I said when I first saw the women's collection? What? Whoa, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Minnie Miosh believes in quality over quantity, whether it's the kids' collection the women's collection, and they make it the best basics that you can get your hands on. Like I'm talking fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, and timeless, and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes.
1: You talk fast.
0: You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15. I thought you were going to say it again with me. 15. Percent off your order. This is available in Canada and the US and it is one use per customer. So make sure you get everything you want so that you can really yeah. make the most of it but again that is mini and this family tree 15 and now let's get back to our interview i think that's so good and i think that is something that i do need to bring into our business relationship because sometimes if we're especially oh my god during the pandemic right uh because at the beginning of the pandemic i was pregnant gave birth then postpartum in 2020 so it was nuts so sometimes we'd sit there and be like okay we need to reset and it was his idea and he goes Let's pretend like let's treat each other like we did when we, you know, first got each other's numbers from Tinder and went out on our first date. Yes. Yes. It's the best advice you met on Tinder. Well, in okay, case I want to bring this because you were, are you still? A global ambassador for Tinder? No,
2: but I was their global
0: ambassador. I love
2: that you met on Tinder.
0: In a roundabout way. So we had met years ago because Shane's, he's a director and a producer. And our friend's band had like a really low budget video. So they casted me because they knew me. So he directed me in that. We didn't, we just met and that was it. And then he matched my cousin on Tinder. But the day before she had met a love on tinder and was like well i gotta say goodbye to all my other tinder boyfriends but she was like i don't want to waste shane so then she gave him she's like would you date my cousin and said she's newly single and he's like oh what's her name and then he was like i know her like we've met before so we met through tinder but
2: not do you know what i mean how crazy is that it was nuts it well it was but like fate. going but go it totally totally meant to be but going back to what he said It's so true. It is so true. Let's get back to the way we were with each other when we just, he sounds like he's got some very organic relationship skills. He's got uncommon sense. People like to minimize it and call it common sense. That's bullshit. The shit that your, your husband has some real strengths. And what happens in relationships is that we, I mean, when you're wildly in love or like wildly uh, infatuated with each other, you burn through that honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. You burn (laughs) through that. You just, you can't get enough of each other. And you get to that second stage of relationship. And that second stage, which I call organic love because it's the love without the relationship skills. Mm -hmm. the, The hallmark of that is that you you built up love you built up enough trust in each other to fall in love and now you're finally able to like hang out in your like your yoga pants and you don't have to put on makeup and you can like netflix and chill and not feel like you're undervaluing your self-worth and the problem is is that so many people in this stage just completely stop doing all that stuff from the previous stage and they start progressing through that stage, and they hope to get to the third stage by getting engaged and married and having kids. But if you don't reintegrate some of that dating behavior, some of the seduction that you engaged in early on, you're going to burn out because all the stuff that caused you to fall in love with each other—it's you—it's like having—it's like having an exotic plant and and expecting it to be gorgeous without watering it. Hold on one second. My marinara sauce is burning. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta start. That's crucial. All right. Got it.
0: So Darcy, I have five minutes left of a babysitter, and then I gotta hightail oh, it. I know it's shit because this is so fun. But sorry, continue. Continue with what
2: you're saying. I just had to say that. Right. We have to keep dating. It takes discipline because. Some of what we love in that second stage is that we don't seem to need it as much. We just love each other. We want to have sex constantly, maybe. And we progress the relationship into like managing things together. Maybe we move in together. Maybe we like start introducing our partner to our friends and our family. You have to have that alone time. You have to have that dating stuff. You have to sext each other. You have to be seductive with each other because it's the only job description that the other partner can, it's, it's a job description that only each other, the two of you, only the two of you can't talk, only the two of you can fulfill. Right. And, and, and you don't, you love your partner. You love your partner. We forget that we love our partners. We forget that they're the most important person to us. We have to value them and, and not slack on them as so many of the fantasies and the fairy tales tell us that like, oh, and they lived happily ever after. Actually, no, they moved in together. They got engaged. They got married. They had kids. They are incompatible in terms of like cleanliness and household chores. And uh, their are values around money and uh, everything else are incompatible. And it was a big, hot mess. That's the reality. Relationships are the Olympics of compromise compromise, compromise, compromise. Nobody is going to love you in your most raw version of yourself, which is to say your laziest version of yourself. We have to brush our hair. We have to take a shower and we have to leave the house, especially now that we're not in the throes of the worst of the plague.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it'd be interesting. I'd be interested to even get your take. Like we, so we got engaged after six months Married out a year and just like went, just went for
2: it. You went lesbian. You went lesbian. Is that a lesbian thing to do? do? You know why? Because there's not a guy pushing back and resisting. You've got two (laughs) women who are socialized to to nest. So we blow right through it. Yeah, go on. There you go. So the lesbian tendencies in
0: both of us came out clearly. And, you know, we made it work. But it is an ultra marathon, I think, marriages. And you, you mentioned in compromise. It is an ultra marathon. And as long as you keep the goal the same, and that is to keep your relationship healthy and happy, and we tend to prioritize our relationship before, like, even the kids in a sense, because the kids, it's so easy. It requires no work.
2: That is literally the smartest thing I've heard, maybe all year, that you put the relationship above the kids. That is not selfish. That is serving your children. Mm -hmm. That is serving your children.
0: (laughs) tiktok hates us for it but that's what we like to say yeah yeah
2: <laughs> my god tiktok has such hatred so it's, it's, it's so easy the haters are there
0: i know but dr i am i have i have to leave i have to my babysitter is about to peace she just sent me a message literally this is the fucking worst i am so grateful that you Do came. you hear on. that yes you hear this buzzing
2: <laughs> that's in, that's instacart with my delivery hold on
0: well this i go, okay i'm coming i'm coming i'm coming
2: I'm not going to make your babysitter wait. I'm no, it's here. Fine.
0: Darcy. Thank you so much. Where can people my find pleasure. you? Where can people get you to be their coach? Everything.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, ask dr. And if you are interested in working with me, which there's, I don't, there's not an option at this moment. I have a wait list. Um, but you can get on the wait list by clicking the work with me button. Amazing. Thank you. And you, you so have much. my phone number. You call me anytime. Oh, my God, I will. and Text me your relationship questions. Yes. It was so nice meeting you. Yeah, I would love to meet Shane at some point. Oh, you will.
0: Absolutely. But really, take care. It was so nice meeting you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye, Darcy.
1: Well, I feel like our relationship has changed for the best.
0: For the best? Well, you listen to this episode first, Shane, and then you tell me, because I think there's a lot to be learned.
1: Maybe you should listen to it again, Alex. (laughs)
0: Are you ready for the questions?
1: I am. Alex is going to answer listener questions in our mailbag segment.
0: All right. So the first question we got tonight, what advice do you have for young creators? Because
1: Young creators? Yeah. What podcast is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess you are a creator. Yeah. Sorry. I forget. Yeah. yeah you answer. What advice?
0: So... It's stuff I'm still working on, to be honest, the advice that I try to remind myself of every single day, which Shane, you know, helps to try to drive in my brain every day too. Number one, most important thing is consistency. Be consistent. Whatever you're doing, do it every day. Give people something every day, especially if you want to gain a following. And that's that's the most important, Yeah.
1: Come up with a plan, though, because yeah. we know people who get into the game and they do something every day. But if it's not working, come up with a new plan. Mm-hmm. Get a plan. Be proud of the plan. How Strategize. Oh, every Monday I'm going to do a cooking thing. And then every Tuesday I'm going to give a parenting tip. And then every, whatever it is, stick to that give it a little bit. If it's not working, adjust. And over time, you will gradually find your own voice and your own style. And a following will come if you do that. If you just do the same thing that's not working over and over and over again consistently, it's going to yield no results. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that brings me to the next point that I had in this is what value do you have as a creator or a person putting anything out on the internet? Because you have to have some kind of value. So is it fashion is it medical is it dating advice is it are parenting you funny yeah. yeah you need to have some kind of value otherwise what's the point of anybody following you or watching or consuming your content yeah and that's something i struggle with i think now that the kids are getting a little older because it used to be and the account started when the kids were babies and it was like all right this is a baby account i'm learning how to parent. I'm sharing my tips, what I learn. I'm, you know, getting a ton of information from all the followers and kind of disseminating that and sharing those tidbits. But now the kids are getting older. Sometimes I struggle to find kind of my place in everything again. And it's fine to step back and take a look at everything and readjust.
1: Well, look at the podcast. that When we first started, we were, I was giving parenting tips at Dad's Corner. Now we're talking about how I lost the converter for an hour. (laughs) It's just like relatable, hopefully, content (laughs) couples arguing.
0: All right. Next question. Thoughts on the pic that Tori Spelling posted of her daughter versus the photo that her husband posted of the daughter at her graduation. Let me see. Do you think it was photoshopped or just makeup? And would you photoshop a photo of your child as a teenager if they asked you to do it? So... I didn't know what this listener was talking about. So I found the two photos of Tori Spelling's daughter. So she's a makeup. She's 14. So it would have been okay. her elementary school graduation. And she likes being a makeup artist.
1: Elementary school? 14? So
0: here is the one of the pictures that was like posted in the slideshow.
1: Okay. They both look the same to me. No. They, they both pretty much look the same. One is just saturated with more white.
0: We'll look at the face smoothing. Like, intense face smoothing. Look at the size of her arm. Her arm has been Photoshopped to be much slimmer.
1: Okay, yeah, that is a slimmer arm. And the dog looks much cuter. She's holding a dog in it. The dog on the left photo is a little cute chihuahua. The one on the right is a big old bulldog.
0: (laughs) That's not true.
1: No. (laughs) Come
0: here. But... Interesting. It's it's interesting. I was looking at a few things. I think she moved the position of her nose. She made her arm much slimmer. She did a lot of facial smoothing. This is a 14-year-old.
1: Tori Spelling did the one where the daughter is following beauty standards, air quotes?
0: No. Tori Spelling put up the one that was unretouched. And then the husband put up the retouched one.
1: Oh, shame on that husband.
0: I know. And the daughter also put up the retouched one.
1: Oh, that's tough.
0: It's tough. So the kid obviously wanted the image retouched. And as a parent, would I, I wouldn't want the 14. Like we worked with Dove for song, We know that by age eight.
1: We work with who for song?
0: Dove, right? And we used to start this podcast with a read from Dove talking about how young kids are so influenced by the media and by these beauty standards. And then it affects their opinions of themselves at such a young age that by the time that kids are eight years old, 80% 80% of girls have modified their parents online somehow with Photoshop, which is terrifying. So as a 14-year-old, you are right in the heart of starting to kind of come to terms with your adolescence. You're becoming a teenager. You're going through puberty. Lots of heavy stuff, right? They, they
1: start you in such a tricky manner. All The filter starts as open your mouth and you'll be a little doggy and a tongue will come yeah. out or a lightning bolt will shoot out your ear. And you think it's gonna be a fun thing because it Mm -hmm. does something cool. But all of these things that happen are also, they give you a little nose job and smooth out your face. Also, no matter how fun the filter is, it always gives you a little nose job and always smooths your face out, makes you look better. So these apps, they seem like they want you to be silly or do something fun or like the cry face one, you know, like Mm -hmm. that one was really popular. But they all hook you in to get you sucked into that world of modification and bigger lips and smaller nose and smoother skin. So it's real sneaky and scary. Yeah.
0: Well, nobody's buying an app for the puppy dog face. They're buying the app because then they get addicted to seeing themselves as that modified version and some they don't people, wanna they don't wanna s- let it go.
1: Some people might get into it. It's like McDonald's with the Happy Meal. Mm-hmm. Lucy wants the toy and everything. But what they're really doing is getting you hooked on the bad food, right? Yeah. People might buy it for the the happy dog face. What am I saying? Puppy dog face. (laughs) But then they eventually, as they grow up, they get in it for looking better and showing their friends how good they look online. Then they're afraid to go out because they're not living up to how they look online. And it's this whole anti-socialization, being ashamed of yourself system.
0: Yes. And this is like thinking about what I was depressed about today, which was the stupid cellulite making me stupid depressed, which I'm so angry about. Right. The fact that I was even upset about it for a second. And it's like, why did I feel that way? Oh, right. Because every single magazine growing up was like, look at this beached whale celeb. Oh, guess whose butt looks like cottage cheese on the front pages of magazines, all my favorite celebrities, everybody I knew spoke about cellulite, which, what, 98% of women have it?
1: Yeah. And you, this was on Time Magazine, too, the cover. Every, Guess what? whose butt looks like cottage cheese? The headline.
0: <laughs> but it's like, hell, everybody's butt kind of looks like cottage cheese. I mean, it's just, it happens. Who cares?
1: My butt's Fact too hairy to life. see the cottage cheese. <laughs>
0: See, and if a woman's butt was too hairy or kept too hairy or shown to be too hairy publicly, that would be an issue. Like, I, it's so many problems. Anyway, what I'm getting at is look at the residual effects from growing up with those kind of beauty standards being shouted, right? From every direction. And now to have young kids going through the social media aspect of it and the filters, it's the same thing. It's just higher tech. But it's the exact same message, the exact same thing. I say, stay, I've already sworn enough on this episode, stay the fuck away from it. I am making a point to make some, you know, to not do certain things in my life. You know, I'm setting my line in the sand. And I think when it comes to my kids, I'm not gonna Photoshop anything for them. If they do, they do, but I'm gonna try to hopefully talk to them a lot about that and have a lot of media literacy and a lot of, You know, just so that hopefully they don't get to that point where they they feel like they need to. But Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's tough. Real tough, especially 14. Like That's heartbreaking. Anyway, is it rude to go to a children's party and not bring a present? Or should we not be expecting a gift? I recently had my daughter's B-Day party and someone didn't bring a present. I don't expect huge gifts, but I've never not brought a gift to a child's party.
1: I think it could be uncomfortable for the person. Sometimes you forget. You just think, oh, you're rushing. (laughs) Usually if you're going to a kid's party too, you have kids. Yeah. So you have to understand that that is, every day is a bit of an adventure and some days you're just not on. So you have to be very understanding. I think if someone shows up without a gift and just the fact that they're there makes your kid happy. Yeah. And gives them more interaction. So I think that is a gift in itself, just Mm -hmm. that you showed up. Because you could be doing anything, and there's so many easy excuses to make, especially in this day and age, why you can't make the party. Yeah. So, yeah, like you know, we had a party for Lucy. Some people that we thought were going to be there didn't even tell us they weren't coming. Yeah. They just didn't come. Their presence would have been our gift.
0: There you go. But I
1: agree, you know. So I wouldn't get hell bent on it. It is hard not to feel like, oh, did that mean something? They didn't bring a gift. Is is that rude? But I, I don't think it is. Would I feel awkward showing up without a gift? Yes. And I'd, I'd say something, I'd be like, oh my God, we forgot to get a gift, something along that line. But well, yeah.
0: The last kid's birthday party we were at, we were almost in that position. Do you remember? No. We're grocery shopping. We have a kid's birthday party to go to like an hour after, oh, and Play-Doh. we're in the grocery store. And we're like, oh crap, we have to go to this party in an hour. What are we going to get? We found in the grocery store, for some reason, they had a rack of Hot Wheels.
1: Oh, Hot Wheels. So I thought it was So we just Play-Doh,
0: grabbed yeah. like 15 Hot Wheels, threw it in a bag, and called it a day.
1: We were planning on going to Toys R Us. Would we have remembered? I don't know. Yeah. But time was getting away from us, and that little Hot Wheel section saved the day.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. But yeah, some people forget. All right, next question. I love your pot and your TikToks. Would you and Shane ever consider doing reaction shows to a tv show i know you just started watching the kardashians and it would be cool to see you and watch how you react to it so this is so interesting to me because this is a whole side of the internet that i don't entirely get but lucy does lucy loves watching stuff like this like she is right now loving on youtube people playing mario and i think that's in the same vein right
1: no this is different She's talking about people like uh, Orhi, people like Danny Gonzalez. These who's that? They 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 do social commentary, like commentary on, like let's say a really bad movie or a reality show that comes out, and they'll just dissect what's funny about it or embarrassing, and they'll elevate the material in a whole other way.
0: Right. So wait, is is it if it's a reaction though? It's like a camera's on us as we're chilling and watching the Kardashians, or we do it after.
1: These people are artists. They they're filmmakers. They the you know the uh the per- we went to a wedding recently, yeah. right? And you know the guy with the mustache walking around who has over a million followers? Yeah. That's that guy's bread and butter. That's how he got famous. Oh, he does okay. these commentary videos. And people if you're not into editing or filmmaking, you might think it's easy, like you just sit there and watch yeah. and make funny comments, but they're scripted. People plan out what they're going to say. They edit it. It's it can engulf your whole life. It
0: sounds exhausting.
1: It's tough, but it, it, it's so fun and funny. And I watch these videos and yeah, like the, the person we're talking about is really good at it.
0: See, I got to check him out. The only things I've watched like that are um, Twins, The New Trend. Do you know those guys? No. So they're two like teenagers and they listen to popular songs from any other decade but they're like two teenagers that you wouldn't expect just because they're young right and then they listen to like
1: a Billy Joel
0: song and there's groove into it and then you know the the chorus will drop and the kids start losing it and they're like this is awesome and I've seen a bunch of those and it's just like super cute and heartwarming and you're like oh young kids can hear my favorite song and then they appreciate it and it's fun yeah
1: it's like Lucy listening to Party in the USA 20 years from now (laughs) A wrecking ball,
0: oh, wrecking or what's balls. the one that
1: you really like? The it's oh, my party.
0: Do what we want. What's
1: that song called? We, 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 won't, we, stop. Want. we yeah, can't won't stop.
0: Yeah, can't stop. We won't stop. Um, but wrecking ball's amazing. And then on that one album that Miley had, she released only the on the one. internet. She had the Miley Cyrus and her de- and the dead pets and and her dead pets or something, and she released it for free online. Wicked album. She did it with I think the guy. What's his name from the Flaming Lips? The lead singer.
1: Gray hair guy, yeah, yeah. I know his yeah. name in a few.
0: So it's like very vibey, very very cool. Anyway, enough about Miley. If you could go back in time and redo any moment from your past, what would it be and why?
1: Every moment from our past, you've researched this question, so you do it.
0: Okay, I have a lot of guilt to so like people that in uh, elementary school. It only happened a couple times. I think I was really good at standing up for other people, but there were a couple times where I didn't and I watched bullying happen and it does eat me alive. I hate it. I hate it and I hate thinking about those times and I cringe so hard because it was my friends that were doing the bullying and it makes me so sick and it makes me want to go up to those people Mm -hmm. uh, that were the subjects of the bullying and apologize like on behalf of me for not doing anything and then on behalf of my friends for them being assholes but it like so so brutal and I honestly oh even right now it's making me uh feel emotional and terrible
1: yeah mine it's funny it's reminding me that that's one of the number one things I think about is my gym teacher Mr. Richardson at Westmount High School Mm -hmm. he was a bit of a bully really and he would he would like kind of tease a lot of gym teachers would kind of do this they, they kind of tease students popular students or whatever and have this like joking rapport with them mm-hmm. and he would kind of do it to me but it was a little bit more mean-spirited and i really don't like people of authority or anything but one day i thought i would try riffing or i'm not comfortable around people yeah. of authority i'll put it to you that way so I tried riffing with him. He said something. It just came out terribly awkwardly out of my mouth. I was like, yeah, okay, old man. (laughs) And it just took like the air out of the room. And it was like, ooh, like people could tell. Like Shane doesn't have rapport with this man in the way we do. (laughs) Like my friend Matt McPeak had a good rapport and they could could kid. And then he called me to his office because a joke went bad. And this guy had done bad jokes to me Mm -hmm. also. Uh, I'll I'll illustrate one of the jokes he did. So we're playing ping pong and one of the balls was dented. Mm-hmm. And then he held up the ball in the change room. It's kind of a funny roast joke, but he's like, Hey guys, look, this hit Shane in the nose, and it, <laughs> but it was all like, cause I have a big nose. Right. But it was all dented. I'm in grade nine. Right. I, I think I was just like learning that I had a big nose at that point. Cause when you're, Before you really get into puberty, you don't really like develop that way. Things are a little bit exaggerated and don't necessarily suit your face. So at that time, a big nose wouldn't suit me as much as it might now or may not still. But I was like, oh, wow, that's like a harsh roast coming from a teacher and authority figure. So anyway, I did my old man thing, which went poorly, took the air out of the room. He calls me in a meeting and I I was I'm a a good basketball player, right? Like on the but I didn't give a shit about it because playing basketball in front of people would make me nervous. Mm-hmm. So he calls me, he's like, how about? Uh, how would you like it if I took you off the basketball team? <gasps> I'm like, I don't care. He's like, you don't care? And I just, I, I kind of like withered in the moment, but yeah. I still, I was like, I honestly didn't care. But I think he thought I, I was pretending to be tough. Right now, I wish I could go with my confidence mm-hmm. and my just way of being And live that situation in still my little boy body and just verbally manhandle him. And I think about this often. Sometimes I'll just be showering. And I'll just be like running lines in my head of things I could have said.
0: The jerk store called.
1: Yeah, all (laughs) all that stuff. But just like, I wish I recorded the conversation. I wish I could have gone to the principal. I wish I could have changed it. Because that guy was such a classic gym teacher jerk out of like a movie. Yeah. And I wish I could have. Got him straight and got him scared to behave that way to other students. Oh,
0: that's so sad. See, I hate that. And that's the thing. Like, when you said, I didn't even know that I had a big nose yet. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're still coming well, into Well, I it. think
1: I had been to like a gap and they had a three-way mirror. And I was like caught off guard because you typically don't see your side profile. Yeah. But I was at like one of these awesome mirrors that kind of shows how you look from <laughs> every I was like, whoa, that's not me. That's. Not, I was like, oh, my God, I look weird. And it kind of blew my mind how I, I I'll, I'll, I'll thought it was ugly at the time, like how I yeah. looked. And it blew my mind. So I kind of knew, but I, I it had never been publicly confirmed before. Yeah,
0: you don't think yes. other people are necessarily thinking that too, yes, right? Yes, I've never times, been
1: outed like that. Well, yeah. see, and
0: a lot of times people aren't and we're self-conscious about things that other people mm-hmm. don't notice. So you think it's something like that, but that is such an awful move. Like that breaks my heart. And then again, it kind of ties into the 14-year-old photoshopping herself. You know what I mean? And then the dad reposting that, which kind of affirms it and gives it validation. And it's just it's such a messy time in your life for everybody. Like, I don't know anybody that was like, oh, yeah, 14. That was a great year. You know, 14 is
1: pretty brutal for everybody. Well, There's some pretty cool guys in my high school doing okay. But I will say this. I'm doing better than all of them now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, let's end on that super positive no, Shane.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much for rating our podcast on iTunes. Have you done that? Who cares? Just listening is enough. Thank you so much for listening to this family, family tree podcast. You do it over? Thank you so much for listening to this, this family tree podcast.
0: Episode 133.